This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. I encourage you to turn into your Bibles to verse Samuel chapter 17. We'll be talking about a well-known story out of 1 Samuel 17. Some of you veterans of the faith may already know the story just by the address. But here this morning, we're going to be looking at the story, the history of David and Goliath. It's a great honor to be with you here this morning. It is uh, unfortunate, the circumstances, why I'm here this morning. Um, I talked with uh, Pastor Mitchell uh, on the way here, PMAC as I like to call him, and you are free, I hope he's watching right now because you are free to call him that. I give you complete license as long as you do it honorably. I'm going to say that right now. You do it honorably. But I talked with him this morning, and, and the things, the situation in the Mitchell household is starting to settle down. Thank you, Jesus. Because uh, my household a few weeks ago was under the same uh, duress. <laughs> and uh, imagine that several households here this morning have already gone through. If not, Praise the Lord, rebuke it in Jesus' name, and thank you, Jesus, for Lysol. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, this is, uh, like I said, a, a very familiar story, and um, I, have, I have taken on a... a uh, a different approach with uh, some of my my sermons. Oh, I guess I should introduce myself. My name is Ryan Miller. Sorry, I did not say that already. Uh, friend and uh, brother in Christ to pass to, to PMAC, and uh, um, I am thankful for the opportunity to be here. Um, in First Samuel 17, I want to read the entire chapter. Some people get. The heebie-jeebies and that, oh man, I have to sit here and read this entire chapter. To be honest, the Word of God in its plain form could do better by you reading it than any sermon any preacher can come and present to you. Amen? Amen. And I, I have a burden, I have a burden that we all dig more into the Word of God. I just do. I, I have this burden that we need to read straight from the source <laughs> and let the word of God do its work on our hearts. And then we'll talk a little bit about it. That's, that's kind of the plan this morning. So 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse 1. The Philistines gathered their forces for war at Soko in Judah and camped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damum. Saul and the men of Israel gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. Then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. 
The Philistines were standing on one hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall, and wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins, and a bronze javelin was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam, and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield-bearer was walking in front of him. He stood and shouted to the Israel battle formations, Why do you come out to line up in battle formation? He asked them. Am I not a Philistine, and you are not servants of Saul? Notice he says servants of Saul instead of servants of the living God. Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite from Bethlehem of Judah named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons during Saul's reign was already and was, excuse me, Jesse had eight sons and during Saul's reign was already an old man. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul, Saul to the war and their names were Eliab, the firstborn, Abinadab, the next, and Shammah, the third, and David was the youngest. The three oldest had followed Saul, but David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock in Bethlehem. Every morning and every evening for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. One day, Jesse had told his son David, Take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Also take these ten portions of cheese to the field commander. Check on the well-being of your brothers and bring a confirmation from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had charged him. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing each other. David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. How's it going, guys? You can just see that. While he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him terrified. Previously, an Israelite man had declared, Do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. The king will also make the family of that man's father exempt from paying taxes in Israel. Somebody's going to shout right there. <laughs> David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The troops told him about the offer, concluding, that is what will be done for the man who kills him. 
David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the men, and he became very angry. Why did you come down here, he asked. Who, do you leave, who did you leave those few little sheep with in the wilderness? I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. You wanted to see the action. What have I done now, protested David. It was just a question. Then he returned to those beside him to then he re, then he turned from those beside him to others in front of him and asked about the offer. The people gave him the same answer as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, so he had David brought to him. David said to Saul, "Don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will be will go and fight this Philistine." But Saul replied, "You can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth." And he's been a warrior since a very young age. David answered Saul, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. <laughs> Saul's like, Okay. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on armor. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. I can't walk in these, said David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now is where the action starts. The Philistine came closer and closer to David with a shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I'm going to strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Some serious smack talk going down right here. Then all the world will know what Israel, that Israel is, has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. When the Philistine... Excuse me. Technology. <laughs> the chapter moved. I'm getting my place back. 
When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. David overpowered the Philistine and killed him without having a sword. David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword and pulled it from its sheath and used it to kill him. He cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they took off running. <laughs> they fled. The men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting their battle cry, and chased the Philistines to the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. Philistine bodies were strewn all along the Sharam road to Gath and Ekron. When the, Philist when the Israelites returned to the pursuit, excuse me, when the Israelites returned from the pursuit of the Philistines, they plundered their camps. David took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put Goliath's weapons in his own tent. When Saul had seen David going out to confront the Philistines, he asked Abner, the commander of the army, whose son is this guy? Whose son is this youth, Abner? Your majesty, as surely as you live, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. When David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. <laughs> Saul said to him, whose son are you? <laughs> young man, the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem, David answered. This is quite the visual story that most of you only heard half of when you were in children's church. Right? <laughs> I remember uh, listening to this story as, as a young boy, you know, the age of eight or nine, and, and I remembered I wanted to be like David. David was the, the one who killed lions and bears by his own hands. This sounds amazing. David is a cool guy, right? But, this, but David here is the young underdog facing the behemoth, and he should never win. He should never win. See, we champion David in his youth and vigor, and we ascribe his courage and, and raw audaciousness to his future self as king of Israel. We know David's story. We also champion as a hero in facing off the giant because the odds were against him, and we often find ourselves in such similar odds. We also champion David because we know his story and therefore we also know his flaws, right? And we know he still wins. See, this is the strange revelation, however. David is not our parallel and our personal point of reference in this story. We often like to ascribe David to who we want to be and facing off these giants and, and going to battle. But we're not David in this story. We want to be David. We want to cut off the heads of our enemies and claim a big victory. Because we do have giants that we each face 
And we want to walk in the victory of defeating this, our enemies, right? The reality is, though, that even though we do face these giants, our parallel in this story is not David, but every soldier in the Israelite army. We like to make excuses. The giants are often too big for us to face down. When we read the story, the first 10 verses in this chapter give every reason as to why we can't win. It's too out in the open. This is a clear field. We don't want to be seen facing our giants, do we? He's nine feet, nine inches tall. He's too big to overcome. He's well armed. The weight or burden of the giant alone could kill me. He's covered from head to toe. There's no way to get at him if, even if I wanted to. He's got teeth and a long reach. The spearhead alone was 15 pounds. You ever been hit in the head with something two pounds or heavier? He, and on top of this, he's got backup. The shield bearer was in front of him holding Goliath's shield. And he had one job, which was to stand between me and my giant. Worst of all, the giant knows me. And he calls me out on everything that I'm supposed to be, but I know I'm not. This is our reality. We each have our own giant that we face, maybe even on a daily basis, yet we cower in the fear of the worst that could happen. Our giant also has a name. Goliath's name was renowned. He was known throughout the land as the, the giant warrior of the Philistine army. And if you didn't know him, he was going to make himself known. Right? But I looked into this Goliath, and I looked into the Hebrew origins of the name of Goliath, and I found something very interesting. Goliath means to uncover. It means to reveal. But not in the way that is a positive thing. It's the negative side of thing, of, of the idea. He is the unveiler, the, the, excuse me, the uncover or the revealer, of your inadequacies. He's the uncoverer of your mistakes. We, re we refer to the devil, our enemy, as the accuser. And this is who Goliath is. I pointed out that he didn't come against the army of the living God. He came, out, came up against the army of Saul. He's going to rebuke, he's going to, excuse me, he's going to remove your identity in, in, in ascribing anything to God. That's what Goliath is doing. That's what your giant is doing to you, maybe even on a daily basis. This accusing is as in a reference to um, a lawyer, the prosecution. It's in reference to the prosecution. He's come to accuse in order that you go into exile. 
into the exile of sin. That is what your giant is trying to do. And we have giants like this in our lives, and they have names. And Louis Giglio, this is a, a really cool book that I read from Louis Giglio that Goliath Must Fall. Highly recommend it. No sponsors. Um, we have giants like this in our lives, but they also have names, okay? We call them fear. We call them rejection. We call them addiction. We call them anger. We call them comfort. Oh, come on. This is, this is the United States. We got we to talk about that one. We call them comfort. We call it disease. These giants will often control our decisions and our lives, no matter how spiritual we think we might be. It's a stronghold. And I'm here to declare to you today that you are to be set free from this grip on your life. And this is where David's true parallel comes in to picture. David's parallel is Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't well liked in his day walking on this earth. And he was always treated like the new guy. The establishment didn't like his presence and was kind of annoyed by him. Jesus had an enemy that knew him by name. And Jesus voluntarily took on the arduous tasks set before him with the courage and audaciousness that even King David desired. Jesus voluntarily took on this task, but the only key difference here is that you cannot make any of the giants you face small enough in the face of Jesus. We see the picture of, of small David and huge Goliath. But when it comes to Jesus, you can't make Goliath small enough. You can't make the giants you're facing small enough when it comes to Jesus. Come on. Jesus is our champion. He is our hero, and there's no giant and no hell that comes with it that he can't handle. Jesus is our victor. Most days, if we're honest, we're on the fence of whether or not something in this life is too overwhelming to deal with. Come Monday morning tomorrow. <laughs> These influences that sometimes leave us incapacitated even are the giants we face. Fear, rejection, rejection, addiction, anger, comfort, lust, disease, whatever it is in your life. And this is where we lose track and focus. We begin to focus on the dangers and parallel, uh, perils of the situation of what might be. We're like, we, like Peter walking on the water, only focusing on the winds and waves. And we're distracted and we're not willing to wait for Jesus to slay our giant. But the word this morning is, is that Jesus has already slayed your giant. He took it on the cross. He bore our sin and shame. He submitted himself to death, hell, and the grave for the sheer purpose of kicking them all in the teeth to proclaim that death has no hold on him, hell has no victory, the grave can't even defeat him. He commenced to stealing the keys to death, hell, and the grave, took them back, and took all authority unto him. 
unto himself in heaven and in earth. And there's no giant anywhere that can pin you down because of him. And then there's the catch. Because there's always a catch, right? What's the catch? Except this has nothing to do with Christ and what he's done and what he's capable of. We read in the story that David, def- that David defeated and killed Goliath with a stone that sank into Goliath's forehead and it killed him. It's a very visual thing. The stone sank into Goliath's forehead. Furthermore, we read that David ran up to fallen Goliath and ripped Goliath's own sword out of the sheath and proceeded to completely separate Goliath's head from Goliath's shoulders. Furthermore, as we read, David took Goliath's head and Goliath's weaponry and put them in his own tent. Here's where this is important. We read in Matthew 16 that Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, church, it has it was no mistake that the rock killed old Goliath. It is the rock of our salvation, the, the, proclaim, the proclamation of truth of who Christ is as our salvation. When you are facing your giant, you need to remember who your giant slayer is. It is the rock of truth that will defeat any and all giants that come against you. If you need, if you need a reminder of how God's going to face, of how you're going to face your giant, you need to call on the name of your giant slayer. It was no mistake that David went and killed an already dead giant. I mean, you read the same story I did. It was no mistake that he went and killed an already dead giant by chopping off his head. See, the the head represents authority, always and will be. You see, Jesus, your giant slayer, has already removed the head of your giant enemy, and that giant no longer has any authority over you. Jesus is the ultimate authority, and there is no other name above his own which means there is no giant that could hover over you, hold you back, keep you intimidated, and keep you bound. There is absolutely nothing holding you back from experiencing a freedom and abundant life in Jesus Christ. There's nothing. Jesus has fully won the victory. And his victory, which is named Jesus, because we sang that today, Jesus has fully won the victory, and and in his victory, he has declared freedom. And if the Son has set you free, come on. If the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. (laughs) And, And one more thing. Old David got quite braggadocious in his youthfulness, carrying around the head of the enemy. I mean, think about that. Everywhere David went, 
I killed this giant. <laughs> I took him down. I took it off his shoulders. <laughs> but if you look at it that way, you've missed the point. You see, every time someone saw David holding the head, it was a reminder of who the giant slayer is. It was a reminder that we don't have a live enemy. Amen? <laughs> but the enemy is dead and defeated. It's both. It's dead and defeated. We have nothing to fear. Oh, and by the way, the enemy has no formed weapon that can be held against you. And it certainly won't prosper. Why? Because the giant slayer has already taken the enemy's weapons away from him. He's taken it and thrown it in his tent. It's on his key rack behind his door. He shut the mouth of the enemy after he kicked the teeth out of it. <laughs> so Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. And his word declares that no weapon formed you against you shall prosper. So you can now say to your giant, you've got no authority over me and you've got no bite. So get thee behind me, Satan. I'm on the giant slayer side. Resist the devil and he must flee from you. It's different when it says must. It's not will like we have to wait for it right? It's must. The devil must flee from you. See, these giants and their fake news and the slang stone are all part of this master plan of what God is trying to tell us. There is a way to face off your giants because the giants are already dead in your life. They are powerless. Church, sometimes we're we're still reaching for a head and trying to put it on the giant in our lives. We're still trying to give power to this dead thing to have control in our lives. The devil is a liar. And Jesus has the ultimate authority and ultimate truth in your life. When you're facing off with fear, you need to respond with faith. And the soundtrack of faith is worship. When you're facing rejection, you need to remember that you are worth Jesus to God. Let me say that again. You are worth Jesus to God. And he chooses you. Comfort. <laughs> that old giant that makes you want to be settled, comfortable that leads you to be stagnant and unproductive. You have to let the holy fear of God get you uncomfortable again. If you're comfortable, it's time for you to get up and get moving. And then there's anger. There's a lot of people struggling with anger. We're supposed to be slow to anger. And that means we need to slow down in the heat of the moment. When it comes to addiction, 
it's time for us to be vulnerable. We don't like to be vulnerable. That was one of the things we noticed about David and Goliath. They met out in an open field, two armies on either side, on mountaintops, looking at them. It's a little vulnerable. What if I don't measure up? It's not about you measuring up. You can't measure up. We will never measure up. It's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is. We have victory because we have Jesus. We don't have victory because of anything we do. We have victory because of who Jesus is. Disease. <laughs> Talk about your headlines the last several weeks. Get into the word. Start praying the word. Psalm 91, get into it, pray it. Pray over your family, it's there. It looks big, it looks unconquerable. It's kind of intimidating. It's a lie. Come on, church. If it comes, he's already gonna deal with it. Who's your confidence in? Yourself? In the doctor? In the government? <laughs> Come on. We trust in Jesus. King Jesus, the giant slayer. He's already defeated it. And here's the big, the big irony. If it comes to take us, guess where we're going, church? Come on. I bring you Jesus this morning. That's the only thing I can do. I bring you Jesus.